Yeah. It's your boy D1, man. Everybody want to know. What you mean when you say God and girls? Check it. If it ain't about God, it's about these girls. Yeah. If it ain't about God, it's about these girls. Yeah. Everybody know they rule the world. Yeah. Everybody know.
and then make sure you pay it right off, you know, and just keep every month, you know, purchase one item, and then make sure you immediately pay it back. Yeah, yeah that's one thing I didn't realize until recently about credit utilization. It's like, why are y'all going to offer me all this credit if really I'm not supposed to use it? That's the thing. Like, lenders, like if you're buying a home or you're buying a car, they don't want you to use all of your credit. They just want to know that you have it. They just want to know that lenders are not afraid to give you credit, right? So if you have a credit card, let's say, with ten with a ten thousand dollar limit, you shouldn't be spending over a thousand dollars on that card. Absolutely not. So it's like you yes, you should have an available balance on that credit card always of nine thousand dollars. And it seems like why have that credit card with all that money on it if I'm not to use it? Because it's not really money. It's just a it's just a wink. To other future lenders that were credit worthy. That's right. right. So now that I know that, I'm not spending really no money on this credit card. Right. But it took me till I was 33 to realize that. Exactly. So I think this conversation is definitely important for the young folks. When you get those credit cards, don't use them unless you're using it on one bill. Yeah. Keep those balances 10% or lower. We're not say 15% or lower um, in terms of your available credit. Keep, keep them low. Yeah. What else you got to say to the people, Miss um, Attorney Belt Spencer? <laughs> yeah, I think bankruptcy that, attorney Belt Spencer. Oh yeah, and, and speaking of bankruptcy, you know you don't want to end up in that that boat because then you really can have issues. And again, the the bankruptcy thing is like the last you know resort mm -hmm. when people have just completely ramped their credit cards, and at that point they can't afford to pay them because at that point your minimum payments are high. You know, when you have low balances, your minimum payments are low. But when you run it up, your 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 minimum payment is high each month, right? That that increases your your debt to income ratio, right? You don't want that, and you know you definitely don't want to end up in bankruptcy court, where a lot of my clients end up because they mismanaged, you know, their credit. You know, and it's overwhelming. Don't get to that point, you know. How but look, how can you tell the people that are listening like? How do some of your bankruptcy clients get there? Like, you know, we all, me and you, we have credit cards. I mean, we have, I don't know, I mean, yeah, I'll say less than 10, right? We don't have that much credit. But some people get, like, so yeah. overwhelmed and boggled down. That's not to place judgment on them, but it's like, how do you get there? Yeah, and a lot of times you're a victim of circumstance, right? Yeah. So I can say, even with myself, like with law school, you know, right. I was a, a student. I didn't have a job. Exactly. So especially while studying for the bar exam, you don't have income. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you're, you're trying to, I ran up those credit cards, you know. Mm -hmm. But luckily I was able to redeem myself after getting employment afterwards. But let's just say somebody doesn't have, you know, doesn't make that amount of money or completely loses their job, has no income. You know what are you to do? The, the credit doesn't change. You that's still right. have the. You that's still right. owe the money. That's right. Right. And yeah. so yeah. That's right. And that's what. And that's kind of what happened to me. I didn't realize the value of paying stuff on time and how detrimental late payments were yeah. on your credit. Right. So for me. I had credit cards that I used in law school too, but they were low limits. So I'm like, no, that's not gonna do nothing to my credit. I don't care if they offer you a ten dollar credit card. If you late on paying that one dollar, it's gonna be a, it's gonna have a detrimental impact on your credit score. Yep. And I let a few cards go late one or two months. All of a sudden, they're closed. And I'm like, why are these credit cards closing? And my credit score goes from a let's say it was a six fifty to a six hundred to a five hundred to. A, I think the lowest my credit has been was even like four ninety nine when I was in law school practicing to be an attorney with a low credit score. And now it's by the grace of God, hundreds of points higher, but that was awful, all because yeah. of a few late payments. Yeah. So I say all that to say, next step, 
Okay, nothing late. Nothing. I don't care how low it is. I don't care if you're spending your last couple of dollars between am I going to get gas for the weekend to chill or am I going to pay this credit card? Just pay that credit card and just stay at home and watch Netflix. Do not get any late payments because it has a detrimental impact. I mean, credit, and it takes, what, six to nine months to bounce back from a late payment? Almost a year, really. I was going to say, yeah, it could, I mean, it could take years. From Seriously. one late payment. One late payment, yeah. It could follow you for, it actually seven years. It will follow you, mm-hmm. it can follow you up to seven years, mm-hmm. you know, but like you said, the redeeming factors, you can try to redeem yourself, but it's hard. Mm-hmm. It's hard. It's almost like when you go to school. If you start off with bad grades, it's hard to pull your GPA up. But if you start off well, you know, it's hard to go down, you know. So just if you if you don't have a lot of credit, you know, you don't know a lot about credit, get you a few credit cards, don't spend a lot of money on them, and make sure you pay the balances on time. And I know that sounds like, okay, we're going to pay the bills on time. Make sure you pay the bills on time. Because when you get to this point where we're, you know, we're looking for homes, we're looking for different cars, we're looking for lines of business credit, right? You're trying to be a boss. You're trying to be grown. It's hard to do that because you got little measly late payments on your credit. So let's talk about a good credit score. What's a good credit score to you? Or what's a good credit report to you? I say a good credit report, like we discussed, is, you know, one-time payments. Um, I would say low credit card balances, low, um, also loans. You know, you got to be careful with that because that, any loan that you get, whether it be a car, a personal loan, um, any type of loan, right, it's going to go against your debt-to-income ratio. So let's just say you're trying to buy a house. They're going to look at, you know, how much do you make, you know, in comparison to how much you pay monthly on bills, mm-hmm. right? And if it's high, they're going to say no. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, A lot of another uh, word that you should write down in your repertoire is debt-to-income ratio. She's right. If you have all these balances and, and you can't show that you make a lot of money or more money compared to those balances, it's not going to look good, okay? They want to know that you can make ends meet. And and I think anything below, they say 50%. I'm going to go lower and say 30 to 40%. If you can keep your debt-to-income ratio lower than 30 or 40%, that's really good, which means if all of your debt each month is $1,000, how much need to be making? At least twenty five hundred dollars a month. Okay, if your if your debt monthly is a thousand dollars. So don't go and don't go and ball out if, if it's not time. Your time will come. Look, my time still hasn't come. So ball out. So your your time will come. Make sure you keep your debt to income ratio low. Don't be afraid to turn down loan offers. That's true. They're gonna come. You know. I, every time it's I got so pre-approved for something, I used to apply. Yeah. Which brings me to inquiries. Okay. Every time you ask for credit, it's going to drop your credit score at least two to five points every time you ask. So if you really don't need it, don't ask. Don't ask until you need it because those inquiries can drop your score a bit too, and that's kind of annoying. Because lenders are like, why do they keep asking to borrow money? Are they struggling? Yeah. You know, so it's not really a good indicator for lenders when you're continuously asking for credit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. They don't like trying to think what else because credit has been like an uphill battle for me um i've learned so much in this past year that i feel like for the young girls out there even the grown women out there if you can work with the credit repair specialist if you're not uh at the point where you want to be i would say 720 is like a good score 
And that's not just TransUnion, which is usually the more lenient credit uh, bureau. But 720 across the board is like a really good score where most of the credit cards, most of the cars, most of the mortgages that you want are going to say yes to you. So for me, my goal is to keep all my scores of 720 or higher. That's a goal for me, okay? Now, for my aunties and my mom and them, 800, 850 is, is, is what they want. But let's talk about how you get to the 800 and 850. All right, and I might have some credit repair specialists that might disagree with me, but credit age is important too. So for me, I've applied to, you know, some credit cards and some loans recently, and I've been approved, but my credit age is low. So that kind of, it doesn't drop my score, but it doesn't look good to lenders. But when you can show that you paid on a bill for 10 and 20 years, that looks really good. That's going to improve your score really high. So make sure if you open up that credit card, don't close it, don't let it go delinquent, or don't let it go late. Keep it for as long as you can because that will improve your credit age. So that's one of the factors that they look at. That's definitely one of the factors. What else have you seen in terms of your journey with like being a woman out here trying to keep your credit right? I think that employment is important, yeah. right? Because I will tell you, like, especially with like home buying, they want to see two years of income. They want to see that you, you know, you've been working for two years. You know, if you haven't been working for two years, they're gonna, it's not gonna. I'm telling you, they're not really flexible on it. Mm -hmm. You know, so consistent employment. You know, of course, if you grow and you you know, move to a higher paying position or, you know, you get uh, a higher paying job by all means, except but they want to see consistent employment. That's for sure. That's definitely for sure. And again, for I speak for myself, I've been in and out of school, I feel like, since I graduated high school, college and then grad school and then took time off and I went back. So employment, and even now, I mean, I guess I'm, not I guess, I am self-employed now. So it's different, but employment has been a struggle. You know, I mean, just people in my parents' generations would say stay on a job for 20, 30, and 40 years. That's not my reality. So showing uh, credit companies and showing lenders that I am credit worthy because I can keep gainful employment has been, I won't say it's been a struggle for me, but it's been a choice for me to stay in school, which I'm going to admit, being in school has been slightly detrimental to my credit. It's been good because my student loans are so old, it's improved my credit age, but it's been a detriment because my debt to income ratio is so high because of student loans. So when they tell you to apply for scholarships, apply to them. When they tell you to be a graduate assistant or a tutor or research fellow and all those fancy things in school, do those things. Don't go and get loans that you don't need. When I was in college, remember? I had a full scholarship to Hampton University. Shout out to the mayor of Atlanta back then. And I still took out loans just so I could live off the refund check. Right. I'm, I'm 17 with $4,000 in my bank account. What am I going to do with $5,000 I'm 17? <laughs> you know, I mean, I guess I could have saved it if I knew better. I could have purchased a mutual fund or I could have purchased a car with cash. I could have done other things. But I was going to buy McDonald's and ramen noodles and ugly tennis shoes that I can't even tell you the name of. Yeah. So, you know, if you have to have money to survive, fine. But if you don't need those loans, don't get them. Yeah. I got so many loans from the Department of Ed that I really didn't need. Yeah. You're looking back on it. So, if I could tell the listeners out there one thing, don't 
don't get these loans if you don't need them. Don't get student loans if you don't need them. Because when you want to purchase a home or you want to make a bigger purchase, like a business or things like that, they're going to count that towards yeah. your debt. And it could be to your disadvantage, okay? But that's no shade on school. Um, shout out to, to college, I guess. But try to get it, <laughs> try to get it paid for if you right. can. Right, right, right. I see uh, Cody has joined. I see uh, Shantae has joined. I see Steven has joined. Hey to all of you guys. This is episode 20 of Girls Talk University featuring the lovely Miss Attorney Randall Belt Spencer here. She's a, a jack of all trades, but she's definitely a, a beast with the bankruptcies in the city of Houston and in the state of Texas. What else have you seen from your clients? You got some crazy bankruptcy clients. No offense. Yeah, no we love them, but ooh. we do. I think I think another big part is just you know, you know, basically, um, getting into something that you really can't afford, right? Mm-hmm. So I see I've seen clients who you know buy half a million dollar homes, you know, they were not prepared to pay that mortgage, and they end up in bankruptcy trying to save their home from foreclosure. Mm-hmm. Right, so that's another thing. If it's something out there and you cannot afford it, you have to be realistic. Like, I love, yeah, this house is a half million dollars and it's beautiful, but I can't afford it. I'm gonna be broke. I'm not gonna be able to. And I'm gonna push back it. on that though. I'm gonna push back on that though, because like it's a mental component to that, right? So if you see something you want, you're like, I think I can make that shape. And you have these pressures of being lit or being great or being fancy from the people around you. How do you shake that? How do you shake that pressure of? Because, I, I mean, I'm speaking for myself. I live by myself. I don't necessarily need a house, necessarily. But I sure want one. I don't want. I don't want to walk around those dogs in my apartment complex all the time. I want my own garage where I can do do and I'm in the house. But how do you fight those societal pressures of, like, wanting to live above your needs? And I'm not going to lie. Like, uh, the houses over here in city center are beautiful. Mm-hmm. They're million-dollar homes, and I'm like, what do I have to do to get into that? So it's just like a motivation factor. Right. So instead of saying I can, I'm gonna buy that right now because I can't afford it. So <laughs> it's not realistic for me, right? I don't want to end up in the streets mm-hmm. because I I decided I want to uh, get into this million-dollar home. So I instead use it as a motivation factor. Let me go ahead and get to a, get into a home that I can afford so that I can save money, right? Save money and secure more funding for what I really want. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I think that's where my change in mentality is. Because mm-hmm. there's some houses out there that are beautiful. And I'm like, mm-hmm. how can I have this? Yeah. That, that's what, you know. Okay, let me see. I need to start this business. I need to do this. I need to generate this type of income in these different ways so that I can get that. And that's the key. I think the key to credit is like knowing that credit is just a tool to show lenders that you can have access to more credit. It's not to really use it. Yeah. It's sad, but like you don't really want to necessarily use the credit that you're given, but you don't. You do want to have it as a tool to access higher things. I know that seems counteractive, but that's all credit is. It's a tool so that lenders can give you more of it, but technically you're really not going to use most of it. You know, and, and I wish I was taught that. Yes, you need it, but you're not really going to use it. Right? Is there anything else like that where it's like you need it, but I don't want to say like a million. Because you might use the gun. But kind of like a gun. Like, you need it, but hopefully you won't need it. You're right. You're going to need it. Kind of like a gun. You know, that's how I see credit. Like, you want it in the back seat or under the bed, but you're not really going to use it. Just right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, with the analogy. Right. That's a good analogy. Yeah. So, that's how I see credit. That's how I 
we get off. I know it's been about 20 minutes. Um, I've had a good talk so far. I know that we had someone on Instagram. Um, I think she was a wealth management coach that was shouting out the uh, post about this conversation tonight. I'm sure maybe one day we can add her to this chat. What are, what are you working on now with your credit? I know you said you were trying to buy a home. What's, what's been the Yeah, home? and that's the challenge. That's what I mean. Like, you know, um, I wasn't taught credit as a kid. Like, I was not taught anything about, you know, how important and crucial uh, credit is and to how it is, you know, because I'll give another story real quick, but before I went to law school, I, I got into a car accident and I had to get another car. Well, I was able to get another car, but guess what? My interest rate was. Oh, yeah. Super high. Yeah. Super high because my credit was awful. So I had like a 20-something percent credit. So I'm paying $600 a month on a Nissan, you know, like as if it was a luxury vehicle or something. Mm -hmm. You know, and to this day, I'm still taking that car. Yeah. And that's been seven years ago. Yeah. So it's just like, be careful because credit can be the thing to literally get you into horrible deals or really great deals. Yeah, for sure. You know, for sure. And it's super important. You need it. You need to prepare for it because if you want something, if you see yourself owning a house or having this type of car or getting a, securing a business loan for your new startup, in a couple of years, start now. Please, start today. Please. You know. And the one thing about credit, which is like frustrating for me, is if you're trying to improve it, the single most thing that will improve your credit, shout out to the people on Facebook, I see y'all, is time. Time is the single most thing that will improve your credit. If you're paying the creditors, they need at least three months of you paying. If you had a late payment, you need at least six to nine months for it to not weigh as heavily. Right, so time is the one thing that will make your credit skyrocket. But if you want it now, it's hard to do. So that's why I say, if you if you have good credit already, keep it good. If you don't really have credit, I would suggest you get some either unsecured or secured credit cards. We don't have to. I guess we can get into the difference between unsecured and secured credit cards. But I suggest you get a few cards. Maybe pay one thing on it a month. Yeah, make sure you keep the balances low, but do pay on it monthly so that you can show other credit lenders that you're trustworthy with credit. So yeah, I know those emergencies happen, mm -hmm. you know, because with me, you know, while I was studying for the bar, I couldn't work. So guess what ran up? Them credit cards. Yeah. But I ran them all the way up. So now that I'm trying to get a house, <laughs> I had to pay, I'm telling you, like 10, over $10,000 worth of debt that I had racked up and had my credit score in the low 600s. Mm -hmm. um, I had to pay all that. Like, I had to pay over 10 grand just to get it out of the 600. Mm -hmm. You got it out, though, since. Shout but, out to you. 700 club. But I'm saying, think about it, though. Six, all, not because of any other factor. Just because I had ran those credit limits up, my credit score was, like, a low 600. Mm -hmm. Now we in 700. After I paid them down, low, I mean, you know, like, low 700. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. For me, it was um, just access to credit. Because for me... I had the opposite problem in law school. I had, I don't know, what, three credit cards or something? I let all three of them go late. One or two of them closed. So after they closed and they shut down my credit cards, no one would lend me money. Like, nobody. And these credit limits were like $500. It was like nothing. I'm like, y'all really not going to give me no credit? I didn't even do anything. Yes, you did, sis. If you didn't pay that $25, you didn't pay the $25. So we're going to close the card. Right. So now I've had to get what's called secured credit cards. It's kind of like putting a down payment on a card. 
where you you pay a little bit to get the car. You pay a little bit to get the car. I've had to do that, you know, just to move up the credit. So I just I just want you guys to oh, sorry. <laughs> I definitely want you guys to keep that in mind, you know, going forward. Don't not pay yourself. That comes with cars and repossessions. Don't get your car repo. I rather you yeah, I rather you I rather you suck it up and ask a family member for money before you let that car get repo because that's gonna wreak havoc on your credit. Um, when it comes to rent, child, don't get into no apartment with no man. Men, don't get into no apartment with no girl unless both of y'all names going on the lease. Okay. Don't let people talk you into, well, you know, I got the money, but I ain't got the credit. You know, my credit kind of messed up. But you put your mm -hmm. name on it, I pay for it. Don't do that. Because then three months later, not six months, three months, give you 90 days. They're going to be like, ah, oh, man, I got to move around. Or they'll just move around and not tell you. And then you stuck with this bill you can't afford, and then you'll have an eviction on your credit. We don't want that. Repossessions, evictions, delinquencies are all real, real, real bad words. That we want you guys to stay away from, and you can't stay away from. Like Randall said, you gotta get your money up. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta get jobs. If you have to get a second job temporarily, I'm not all about working real, real hard. We we wasn't born on this earth to work all day. And that's it. But if you have to do that in the meantime, in between the time, do that. But don't don't let stuff become delinquent. That's what we will say. Yeah. Oh, I have another little uh, little quick tip. Um, I know another, uh, it's an app, it's called Self Lending App. Mm -hmm. That's another way to get your credit score up um, at least 20 something, mm -hmm. 20 to 50 points mm -hmm. um, real quick. It's a self lending app and you just, it's like you set an amount and you pay yourself. It's kind of like a secured credit card mm -hmm. or unsecured credit card. Mm -hmm. For sure. I really, yeah, I have Self too. It's been really cool. I think I, it's done. Excuse me. I think I um, set my limit for like twelve hundred or something. And I did it last year, actually, when we had first met. And I've been paying, I say hundred to one hundred and fifty dollars a month. But now I'm getting to the point where it's like, I basically finished paying the goal. So they sent me a credit card in the mail, and I've been using it. It's been cool. Of course, I've been keeping the balance low. I've been keeping the balance low. But I've been using it because it shows it's positive credit. So that's, that's definitely a great tip. It's like a savings account, but yeah. you're building credit. So, yeah, it's definitely a great tip. Um, the only other thing I want to tell you guys, and this is the last thing I'll say, is there are a lot of, I won't say a lot, there are a few of my friends who feel like, I don't need credit. I don't want to worry about it. I don't want no credit cards. I don't want nothing. Don't even talk to me about it. That's, that's wild. Everybody should have credit. We're not telling you to use the credit cards, but you should have them. So if you have those friends and family members who say, oh, I don't need credit. I'm all about cash. That's cool, but it's 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 sexier to have credit, okay, y'all. Yeah. So get you some credit. Yes, get you some credit. <laughs> don't say you don't need it. You everybody needs it, okay? Facts. You don't have to use it, but but we get it. All right, this has been episode twenty of Girl Talk. You thank you, Rhonda. Of course, my pleasure. Thank you to the Anthony Vince Nail and Spa for letting us host this. Hey, come visit the Anthony Vince Nail and Spa in City Center, Town and Country Boulevard. They did a great job on our nails and toes. While we had this conversation, you can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Facebook and Instagram at Girl Talk University. And I hope you enjoy episode 20, Girls and Credit. All right. <laughs>